Hello and welcome to the Centre Pass podcast brought to you by Netball Draft Central. My name is Jared Gardner and I'm joined as always by Steph Smirelli, Taylor Mulkey and Sophie Taylor. The regular season is done and dusted. We're into finals mode now in Suncorp Super Netball. Steph, a, a big round of netball on the weekend, but the biggest match of all, the Magpies getting a huge win over the Melbourne Vixens to take the final spot in the finals. Yeah, it was absolutely massive match. Um, the Lions... The Lions... <laughs> Don't even know where you got that from. I don't know. I mean, if anything, it was the Hawks was thinking, that saved us, not the Lions. Lions. <laughs> Giants, I Lions. Right. Yeah, it was an absolutely massive match. Um, the Giants obviously won the day before and for the Magpies to come out the way they did and it was kind of, it was close at times, but the Magpies just really felt like they were more dangerous and they carried that throughout the entire match and kind of blew the Vixens away in the end. Yeah, exactly. It, it seemed like an almost impossible task for them um, looking, at, looking at it after the Giants had won their game, but a great result for the Magpies. Taylor, uh, the Giants, as we said, got a big win over the Fever the day before, but uh, to no avail in the end. And unfortunately, that spells the end to a, a very great career for Kim Green. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for the Giants, Kim Green played her last game. And, I mean, she went out in in style. She just absolutely owned the court. And I think that, you know, she's going to be sorely missed in the netball world. But it was a strong performance by the Giants and the fever just couldn't keep up. Yeah, exactly. I assume we'll still see Kim Green around the Giants, whether it's in a coaching role or something. But I, she'll still be around netball. And uh, But it is a big loss on the court for the Giants for next year. Sophie... The other game, or one of the other games that around, the Swifts and the Firebirds, one goal in this one. The Swifts, they're, they're kind of, are they, they're almost tripping up before finals. They obviously go down to the Magpies and now uh, only defeat the Firebirds by one goal. Uh, what did you think of that match? I thought this match was really interesting. Um, at the end of the day, I think the Swifts could afford it. They obviously did want to get that minor premiership and to secure that um, home final. But at the same time, like I said, they can actually afford to drop that one game and rest some of their players, even though they didn't necessarily rest. I was going to say, they didn't they're rest actually anyone. pushed till the final siren by the Firebirds. The Firebirds were so good. Um, and, yeah, the Swifts were clearly taken off guard by that. Um, but, yeah, still, still got the win. Only one goal in it, though, and I was looking at the score going, what is going on? So, yeah, it's, it, it was a big result and obviously a good uh, – probably – not the way the Firebirds would have wanted to end the season, but to challenge a team that's going to be right up there um, come the final week. It, it's, a, it's a good result for them to finish off on. The first game of the round, we'll get into the reviews now, uh, was the Giants' win over the Fever. They won 70-60. to 60. This is a huge result, and we kind of all thought this is the one. I, I definitely saw the result and said, well, they're going to make finals. There's, there's no way the Magpies can do it. Um, and it was really set up in the second quarter. They win that quarter 21-11. to 11. What did we make of this match as a whole? I think the Fever just did enough to worry the Giants at times. And yes, the Giants won by 10 goals and it was a convincing performance, especially in that second quarter. But that first quarter, they were out of they were out of sorts and they, they really struggled. And I think that was just the Giants at times take a very long time to settle and get those connections really, really strong across the court. And the Fever just capitalised on that. So... I think the Giants almost went in a little bit lackluster, like they had that top four spot and they shouldn't have because they needed every single bonus point and the win to make sure that they secured a a spot in the finals. Yeah, it was a really interesting match because 
you look at some of the players, and I think this was Caitlin Bassett's best game of the year. Yeah. She was really impressive at the post, and she shot, um, what was it, 47 of 50, and that's I, I think it's a fair bit above um, what she's been shooting this year, and she's got the accuracy finally. So it's a little bit frustrating that then the Giants are out of contention because, again, like Taylor said, Kim Green was really good in her last match. She really... Um, it was almost like she relaxed into it. Now that she's said her bit and announced that she's retired, she actually was able to go out and just enjoy that last, well, potentially her last game. And so it's it's a little bit sad we won't see Kim Green on the court again this year. I mean, at, we could always see her back next year if she does a little Renee Ingalls and comes out of retirement, but we can't rely on that. So, yeah, <laughs> sad times. Yeah, it is an interesting one. And you spoke about Caitlin Bassett there, obviously – 47 or 50, as you said, is, is well above what we've seen her average this season so far, um, it's, which is interesting because this season we've seen Bassett and Harton really sharing the load and, and kind of been around similar numbers. Um, Harton still shot well, 23 of 29, so that they're getting 70 goals out of the combination, but it is just a little bit too little too late. Um, so it, it's a rough one to take for the Giants because, I, I, like, you look at that first quarter and you say 17 and all, one more goal in that quarter and they'd make finals. You also have to remember, though, that the Fever were without Courtney Bruce yeah. and the Giants only won by 10 goals. Their shooting their shooting combination of Hart and, and Bassett should have absolutely slaughtered the Fever defence end because you had Olivia Lewis who, she yeah, she she's a great up-and-coming player. She You know, she's got plenty of talent and she caused a lot of headaches in that opening term. But... Then you also flip that and go, well, the Giants shooters definitely should have capitalised on that inexperience in the yeah, goal circle. Like Lewis was playing on the Australian Diamonds exactly. captain. <laughs> you would expect someone of that calibre to absolutely own that circle. And she did in the second quarter and a little bit in the third. But, you know, it wasn't a four-quarter performance from the Giants. And like I keep saying, yes, it was a 10-goal victory. But when you look at the outs for the fever, it should have been a lot more. Yeah, I think it, it's a it's a big result. Obviously, it, it is unfortunate that the Giants couldn't make the finals after winning this one, but um, I guess they just have to reload next year. We'll see what they do to replace Kim Green. We don't know what's going to happen, but I'm sure that news will come through in the weeks after the season. Uh, the second game of the round now, we'll move on, and it was a thriller. It was the one-goal game between the Swifts and the Firebirds. The Swifts coming out with a one-goal victory in this one. Um, this was... I don't know. I've just looked at. I just look at this score and I say, well, the Swifts really should have done a lot better against the Firebirds. 100%. But then you look at. You kind of look at what Gretel Tippett's done and what Caitlin Evans have done, and you think, where has this been for the Firebirds all year? Yeah, if the Firebirds had been playing this well earlier in the season, I would have had. I would say they would have made finals, but they just weren't able to do it earlier and. I don't know if it's the last game and they just put everything out there on the court. But the Swifts just really, I think, dropped the ball at parts during this match. I mean, there was one point I was listening to the commentary and it was something like 52 penalties to 34. That's one point in the third quarter. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was just like, it's just not, they just weren't playing the way they're used to playing. And like, there were so many penalties coming from that defence end and it was just... That's where you expect them to come, but you don't expect it from the Swifts. They've been so careful all season not to pull anything too massive defensively and get penalised a lot. 
And there were cautions flying left, right and centre as well. They all got like two cautions. And I think... Very uh, close to each other. Yeah, Rore got one as well. So defensively, like you were saying, Steph, they just struggled. And I think that was just basically because of the physicality of both Ramalda Aiken and Gretel Tippett. It's like the Swifts' defence and didn't know how to combat them. Yeah, exactly. And I think they... I don't know... Clow is one of the taller goal defenders, but she doesn't kind of stack up to what Ronaldo Aiken has in, in, in that um, sense. And then Gretel Tippett, obviously, she plays such a different style to basically every other goal attack that we have in Suncup Super Neville, basically every other goal attack in the world. Yeah. Um, so it, it is a different one. But I don't know. I, I just think this game really just shouldn't have been that close. And I was say, say looking at the scoreboard once again, that second quarter, the Firebirds win that one 19 goals to 12. Like that is a huge like it's a huge get for them to win a quarter against the team that has been on top of the ladder for basically all of the season and to win it comfortably um just unfortunately they couldn't get the win last time they met i think the margin was 20 goals or something like that so i don't know who that's more of a reflection of a how much the firebirds have developed since they last played or the swifts just thought kind of came into the game with this will be an easy win and then were pushed to their absolute limits yeah it was 22 goals in round seven when these two sides met. Exactly. So. And that was the game where Maddie Proud went down, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. So they they would have had their regular lineup for the first half or so of the game. Yeah. I don't think Aiken played either yeah, in that yeah, game. I feel like have. Aiken didn't. Yeah, so there's yeah a little bit of a question mark there. I think the Swifts were so confident coming into this second half of the season then and then have had real issues with the injury front. Obviously, they've got players like Katrina Broder, um, who's come back in. Well, who has come in, I mean. Um, but I was really interested to see the start of this game where Klaus started out in an, her unfamiliar position of goal defence so that Rode can start in goalkeeper. And I question that a little bit because you know that Turner and Klaus have a really good combination. Um, and obviously they did win that quarter, but it it was a little bit of an interesting decision for me. Yeah. See, I liked it, but I think maybe it wasn't something they should have toyed with at the start of the match. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought, like, yeah, it was awesome or something. I tweeted about it. It was like, yeah, I was happy to see it. I thought it was a good game to try it out. But maybe they got to, like, they, oh, we'll they just kind use of, this or, game they just to kind see of already won the game in their head before yeah. they got out on the court. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's, a, that's a weird thing because, as we've seen, that, that Swift's defensive line hasn't changed at all this season. Yeah. Even when Rory has come in to the side, she's been playing a lot of wing defence and um, obviously is a replacement for Kate Eddy. So it's just... I get that they're, they're trying new things before finals and see what works, but I think what they have has worked against the sides that they're going to be coming up against in finals. Why do they need to try something new? Yeah. Exactly. And when you consider the game that Nevins had, it was kind of, and the, the game that Nevins had the week before, yeah. it's, it was kind of silly that they didn't put Rore on her to yeah. start with because she has such experience and that hands over pressure, and not to mention she's so much taller than what Nevins is, just for her to be able to contest every single ball would have been enough to have slowed down that attacking end. And I think that maybe they made the change a little bit later. I can't really remember. I think Clow spent most of the game – oh, sorry. Um, Maddie Turner spent most of the game in wing defence and then later on Sophie Halpin came on. But they never really – like you said, it's like they just had the game won so they didn't go back to their usual structures and it was a bit confusing. Yeah, it, it's all very strange. I don't think we'll be seeing those combinations in the finals. Uh, just finally on this one, obviously Kim Green retired in the last game. 
uh, two retirements in this one, Caitlin Nevins and Laura Clemesha. Clemesha, unfortunately, wasn't able to get on the court in this one just because of how tight it was and, and what the Firebirds needed to do. But Nevins, since she's announced her retirement, has just had three great weeks of netball and, and being one of the top players in her position. So... I don't know, maybe rethink the retirement <laughs> is my guess. But um, yeah, I think she's absolutely left it all out in the court in the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think like Green, she's just playing with so much more freedom now. It's like, all right, I've made that decision yeah. and now she's just going nuts. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third game of the round was the Lightning up against the Thunderbirds. This one was an absolute demolition job by the Lightning. They win this one at 58 goals to 37. The Thunderbirds actually come out and win the first quarter in this game, 15 goals to 11, but from then on do not score double digits in any quarter for the rest of the game. And the Lightning run out 21 goal winners. Um, this is a bit of a statement before finals by the Lightning. But one thing I do want to mention is Lightning reached 80 goals against Fever earlier in the year. So did um, Swifts. And I find it very interesting that we've reached this last game of the year and they're getting an easy, strong win here, like 21 goals but it's like 20 plus goals under the 80 goal margins yeah. that they got, like the 80 goal score lines that they got earlier on in the season. I, I just find that so interesting. And obviously like the World Cup like fatigue and season fatigue, obviously games aren't going to be as high scoring just because players are tired. But I find that really funny. I think it's also that it's kind of the Lightning have switched now to more of a defensive Yep, type of style. Yeah. At the start of the year, I think a lot of people didn't know how to combat Peace, Pros- Peace Proscovia and they've kind of learnt that craft now. And so sh- she can't get the ball as easily. So instead, they've switched it to become more of a defensive unit. Yeah. And why not? You have someone like Pretorius Moaini down there as, as well as Russell and um, McAuliffe who can win that ball back. So, I mean, yeah, it was only a low scoring game and you, when you consider it. In fact, it was the Thunderbirds lowest score they've ever recorded. I'm yeah. pretty sure. And I'm pretty sure it's one of the lowest super netball scores as well. If not the lowest. I assume yeah. it would be the lowest. I, I can't remember is. a score I, being as low as that. I don't think there's been anything under 40 in the super netball. Yeah. So that's, it's huge. And for the lightning to hold a team that admittedly is out of finals contention, but they have been playing good netball as of late. So um, to hold them to under 40 goals is just a mammoth effort. Um, this is just Carla Pretorius. So I'll, I'll just mention her because <laughs> just her leave stats, it at that. <laughs> six intercepts. It's just kind of a classic game for her. And um, I don't know what she's finished on this season. I'll have a look now, but um, she just continues to to dominate. Yeah, exactly. I think she was just behind uh, Shamira Sterling's, who also put in a gallant effort um, for go- in goalkeeper. I think she ended with what eight gains and five intercepts. So I mean, she also played her part for the Thunderbirds as well. So like we said, it was kind of more of a defensive game rather than a, a shooter's game. Yeah, yeah, the majority of Sterling's were in that first quarter as well. Yeah. So it just shows that the defenders are really winning the quarters more than the attackers are. Yeah, exactly. And that might be something we see come finals time. It might be the defence is probably what wins a team, the Premiership this year. Uh, the final game of the round was the Magpies up against the Vixens. And this one was the one that had the most riding on it. The Vixens were obviously set in third spot, so they knew they were going to host a home final and it was either going to be up against this side, the Magpies, or it was going to be up against the Giants. 
Magpies went into this game needing to win three quarters and win by seven goals, was it? I yep. think to to, yeah. um, to jump the Giants in fourth position. And they did exactly what they needed to. They win the first three quarters and win this match by 11 goals. And the Magpies, for the first time in Sunglob Super Netball history, they're in finals. Second time. Second time. Yeah, yeah they, they made it the, the first year. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I think uh, to follow on with Collingwood's uh, finals theme, it's Believe. And they well and truly, I mean, I'm a massive Collingwood fan. But they well and truly believed that they could do this. You could see from that very first um, quarter how much was riding on this game. And I think Jeeva Mentor said before the game that it was like they would know whether or not they'd win the match within the first five minutes of that quarter. And within the first five minutes of that quarter, I think they were three goals up. So they set the tone early and they just pushed hard. And I think it's the team that everyone's been waiting for. Everyone's been just sitting by and going, when is this all going to click click into gear? And finally it did and just shows that they can do it. They and I completely think, stunned the Vixens. Yeah. Just, they yeah. ran out and I think the Vixens knew they were going to come out hard, but I don't think they expected the amount of pressure that they ended up being put under. There were that many hell balls and it was just it was pretty from the awful. get-go. Yeah, I think the real catalyst for this Magpie side over the last few weeks is, and I know a lot of people will agree with me, Ash Brazel. Oh, 100%. In centre, she has changed the game. She has changed the Magpies and really done it for the better. Um, obviously, it means Rabs down in wing defence, which isn't her typical position, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I think... Um, she did an exceptional Braz's, job on the weekend, Yeah, yeah I think I think Braz, though... It's really opened up her game. She's able to, and I think we spoke about it earlier in the year with um, Hads in centre. Um, it's opened up her game. It's given her more room to move, more room to get in front of the ball and turn over the ball. So I think that's been one of the biggest things over the Magpies in the last few weeks because she has just been phenomenal and got her third um, player of the match in a row. Like, it's nuts. Yeah, I think Definitely. it. it uh, I was going to say, it is interesting. Like, you see Ash Brazel, she's won like player of the match three times in a row, but you kind of look across this Magpies side and you say Jeeva Mentor's had yeah, probably her th- three true. best weeks this oh, season. Nat Medhurst has probably had her three best weeks this season. Shimona Nelson's probably having three best weeks she's had all season. So there's just contributors overall for this Magpies side. It's also a changing game plan. You can see that they are playing with so much more freedom. And my big thing is that Jeeva Mentor is able to go out and do what she does best. Yeah, She cannot be restricted to just play a certain yeah. way. No, let Jeeva Mentor play the way she wants to play yeah, and yeah. everyone else gets on board with that. Yeah. It's like you have this asset in the goal sc- in the like defensive circle. Let her go and do what she wants and I think the past 3 weeks she's done exactly that and like you said she could have quite arguably also have gotten a couple of MVPs but Ash Brazel was just being Ash Brazel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's been one defensively for them 100%. Um just on Revellian, like, as we were saying, Ash Brazel's been the catalyst for everything. But I do think Revellian this week, if without her in wing defence, the Magpies would not have won this. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that because it's just the, the stuff she was doing off the ball was ridiculous. She was just blocking Liz Watson at every move. And then they've even had to force a change and put Kate Maloney into wing attack. Now, it's not often that we see that, but yeah. that's just credit to the work that she was doing and the credit to the whole defensive unit of the Magpies. And just on that, I went back through the stats earlier this season and Maloney and Watson both had their lowest feeds into the circle 
for the entire season. Yeah, so this, that just that just, just yeah shows, shows how how much work they've the, the Magpies have put into that midcourt, and um, it, it almost is the the real catalyst for the Vixens because we know they've got so much talent across the entire court, but in that midcourt, it now shows that if you can beat Liz Watson and beat Kate Maloney, then you probably you probably beat the Vixens because um, they just can't they just can't find a way to kind of shake that and. I think it's, it's almost a little bit of a, a blueprint on how to beat the Vixens the Magpies have shown us on the weekend. And I have... Oh, no, I was going to ask yeah. you a question. Okay. I have a question about Katie Thwaites. What Ooh. is going on? See, I would start from Wenda. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this. I think it was partially Katie Thwaites being so... Like, she was really easily covered by Jeeva. But what I think was also a big thing in that was that... Uh, both Kate Maloney and Lizzie Watson were so hesitant feeding the ball in. Like, Katie was there. She had the space and she had the um, hold the hold to get the ball and they weren't feeding it to her. And so I think it's a little bit of both players. I, I, I don't think it's all the feeders and I don't think it's all the receiver, but at the end of the day, you do need to be going towards that ball to get it and making some kind of indication like, yes, feed me the ball. And they just were so worried about Jeeva and April Branley. Branley had a really good game too. They didn't want to pass her the ball. And so I think Kumwenda opened up the goals a little bit. She only came on for the one quarter, I think it was. Um, And she did a good job, but how often do you see Thwaites with four goals for a quarter though? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or the Vixens relegated to nine goals in a quarter. Like it's insane. I just don't know at the moment where the Vixens are at. Because, I mean, they can. I'm happy with them losing. Like, it, I mean this in a way that, like, I'm happy. Okay. I'm happy if they lose by a couple of goals or something like that. Because you're like, at least they were in it. Yeah. But they were just so out of form that I yeah. was a bit like, oh, this has taken me really by surprise. Like, yeah. where has this come from? And like you said, Soph, relegating them to nine goals while the Magpies piled on seventeen. That's just something you don't see often. Yeah. One thing that I think did um, prove in this game, though, is how much the Vixens don't need to rely on that one goal to shoot goals. Um, Tegan Phillip had a really good first quarter and then a good second quarter faded off in the third and was better again in the last. And the one the one quarter where she faded off, Katie Thwaites took control again. So it's it it's good that they don't have to rely on that one shooter, but at the, but at the same time, when they're so used to the two of them working together, they almost don't know what to do when there's only one who's actually getting the ball and taking those shots. Yeah, well, it's something that the, Mag- uh, the Vixens are going to have to work around very quickly because we'll get into the finals previews now. We'll start off with the minor semi-final, and it's a replay of this round 14 matchup with Vixens and the Magpies. Um, obviously, it's going to be at the State Nepal Hockey Centre, so it's going to be a pretty big Vixens crowd of, of what is there. Don't get me started on that, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a mess. This, this is a, a, it's going to be so interesting to see how the Vixens bounce back in this one. Do the Magpies take that confidence and run away with another win? Obviously, the Magpies have won the two matchups this season. Um, but do, do we, what do we think about this one? I was going to say one thing to keep in mind is the State Centre is where the Vixens train. It's there, I mean, obviously, home ground advantage. Yeah, unfair. It's, it's full on home court advantage. They know yeah. the court so well, and obviously, a lot of the Magpies have played there for A and L, um, like the 
younger ones, etc. You know what I mean. But um, at but the recently, end of the day, none of them would Vixens have. Vixens play on the exact court every training session that they do, or majority of the training sessions they do on the court that they're going to be playing on this weekend. So I think that's something that we need to factor in. At the same time, though, Vixens have lost both times they played Magpies. I don't know really what to expect. I don't really mm. want to put a tip on it because I'm stressed. For me, a, like especially considering the games in Melbourne anyway, a court's a court. Yeah, yeah. Um, true. But it's the mentality of it all. And the mentality of the Vixen, like the Vixen supporters, I think are going to have to try to carry the Vixens through. But for me, if the Magpies don't win this, then they've just really let themselves down a lot. Yeah. Because exa- that belief that they've built teams. up so much. But yeah. the Vixens for me... They just don't look like they've got any belief at the moment. And yeah. Simone McInnes after the game... It's because it's not their the press conference. She was talking talking to the press. She was the same. She was kind of just like, didn't know what was going on. She just didn't feel like the team had any belief in them. And I think belief is something that can ca- really carry a team through. And we saw it with the New South Wales Swifts of how many times they've been pushed down this season with injuries and whatnot. But I think the team that believes in themselves more is going to win. And at the moment, I think that's the Magpies. Yeah. Um, I, I was just going to say quick tip. So you're going to say Magpies? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going Magpies. No comment. No comment. <laughs> Extra time, maybe? Ooh, oh, I love that. No, thank Ooh, you. My yes, heart please. will go into like... <laughs> I don't think off. the family will approve because it's Father's Day if it goes into extra <laughs> time, but yes, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, uh, I think you just can't doubt the Magpies after what they've done and how hard they've worked to get to this position, um, but never know what's going to happen. The major semi-final, two teams playing off for the first spot in the grand final this year, the Lightning up against the Swifts. This is also an interesting one because the Lightning have won the two matchups this season and and have handed the Swifts two of their three losses for the year. So they're going with a lot of confidence, but the Swifts, obviously, they've played so well so far this season and there's no reason why they can't win this one. I think the Swifts, for me, have just fallen off a little bit. Their intensity, their connections, and they've gone away from their normal game plan, which is really surprising because we know how much they treasure the ball and how clean they normally are. And the Lightning, on the other hand, have just gone from strength to strength. They've come back from um, 10 goal deficits and, you know, they've just really proven that they can just about do anything. So for me, I'm going with, with the Lightning just purely because I think home crowd advantage and they just have, as Steph likes to say, that belief. And <laughs> I, th- I think that that will get them through. Um, I think in this match, regardless of who we think is going to win, I think this is going to be the grand final matchup again. I think if the Swiss lose this week, they'll come into the second round. They have a really confident side regardless of who they play the week before. So I think Lightning will this will win this week and Swifts will go into the second round, get in again to the grand final. So I don't think it really matters who wins. Does that make sense? Yeah. Hmm. See how it is? <laughs> yeah. Sorry about it. Even I... riding up, off your Vixens. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I um I definitely think the Lightning's going to win this one again. I just think they're too strong a team at the moment. And the Swifts will probably bounce back a little bit, but they're just down on form. And Helen Housby didn't play a full match um, on the weekend. Garvin filled in really well and then Housby came back on. But I still think they're not at their best. Yeah. And I think the Lightning are going to be able to exploit that a little bit this first final. Yeah, it is going to... As, as we said about the Lightning this week, it's going to be a defensive slog, I think, because both the I think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game because both teams are going to look to take care of the ball, but then on the defensive end, look to go for those intercepts and really pressure. So 
it'll kind of be whichever team succumbs to that pressure quicker is going to drop off. And I think um, I'm going to say lightning and I think we're all in agreement there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And now we are very excited to be joined by Sunshine Coast Lightning star, Jackie Russell on the Center Pass podcast. Jackie, thank you for joining us. No worries, guys. Happy to um, come on and have a yarn. Looking forward to it. Perfect. Well, we'll get started and we'll get straight into your career at the elite level of netball. Um, doing a bit of research beforehand and um, having a look at your career and you obviously went to a, a National League Grand Final with the Queensland Firebirds in 2011 and back in the um, National League now in the Suncorp Super Netball. But between trips to National League Grand Finals, you've had a lot going on. You went over to England and played a bit of netball over there. You got another university degree, worked as a high school teacher, even broke your leg and have been playing in uh, the National League and Queensland State Leagues. Did you ever think you'd yeah. get back to the National League level or was it something that you kind of, you were happy with what you'd achieved and if it happened, it happened? Um, I think after after I um, played with the Firebirds and then went over to England, my plan was always to um, come back and, and get back into the ANZ Championship, um, as it was called at the time. Um, of course, I guess being a bit young and cocky and thinking that, um, whatever I wanted to happen would happen, um, and it didn't really pan out that way. Um, and so I did spend a bit of time playing um, just state league and, and in the national league, which are both um, still very good competitions, but uh, were not really where I wanted to be um, playing, I guess. And then, uh, as you said, I broke my leg, and it, it was all sort of downhill from there for a little while. I think that took... Um, took me a lot longer to actually get over that injury than I initially thought it would, um, which was uh, quite frustrating. Um, and a couple of years after that, I was still playing um, the same level, National League and State League, but wasn't really going anywhere. And I think it's pretty safe to say that I had uh, given up hope of playing back um, at the sort of professional level. Um, it was almost by chance, I think, that I ended up getting... Uh, go with lightning in the end and it was really I think uh, because of my um, connection and relationship with Kylie Byrne our assistant coach um, who I've known since I was sort of 15 or 16 um, just so happened that they needed to fill a void um, in my position when um, Serafina was injured so I came in as a replacement player for her initially um, so I think there was a little bit of luck on my side um, really in the end um, and and here I am back at the Lightning for a second season so it was a, a bit of a random journey for me um, but obviously very happy um, to be playing back at this level and, and at this um, awesome club at the moment. Yeah uh, hi Jackie it's Sophie here um, so hi. just moving back to kind of your journey who was your biggest inspiration throughout your career so as a junior and then moving back into the national leagues yeah um definitely i think when i was playing at the firebirds uh, there were some really high caliber players um playing in that team but claire mcminimum was um definitely someone that stood out for me as a person who was a really good sort of leader, a good team player and someone who uh, always sort of knew how to get the best out of people and she certainly wouldn't let anyone um, take take it easy at all at training or anything like that. Um, and she was just such a hard worker and I really 
liked her defensive style. Um, she's, uh, you know, really worked hard uh, with the one-on-one pressure. And uh, a lot of players, I think, in the defensive end are more known for taking sort of spectacular intercepts and things like that. But Claire was like just a, a super hard worker, I think, and would wear her player down. Um, uh, particularly, I think, the way that she was, I think, probably the top goal defence in Australia for a very long time before she actually was given a start um, with the Diamonds. Um, so she was very sort of persistent and resilient and kept getting sort of knocked back from that team and then um, eventually got a go and ended up captaining Australia um, as well, which was, was pretty cool. And I think that was... Um, she was quite an inspiring person to follow, especially knowing, I think, what was happening in her personal life that whole time um, as well. Um, and now I think it's probably more the people that I am playing with. So some people, I think particularly the two Lauras in our team, Laura Langman and Laura Sherian, they are both um, just such hard workers. But every single session they're trying to um, get fitter, faster, stronger, better. They're always you know, leaving no stone unturned. Um, and I really like that about two players who are obviously not um, exactly spring chickens anymore, but they've still got that attitude to keep learning and getting better, which um, is really cool to be around. And you mentioned then just talking about the Sunshine Coast Lightning. What is it like actually being in a team with so many international stars and, and having the success that you've had? Yeah, it's um, it's cool. I think looking from the outside, looking in, you might think that uh, people might get a bit carried away or egotistical, I think, particularly around the World Cup time um, with so many people going over to obviously play in that competition. So half our team was, was gone then. Um, but it's, it's really cool, I think, particularly with the players being from a variety of different countries. Uh, we get to see a lot of different... Um, not only netball styles, but just different ways that cultures uh, go about things, um, whether that be, you know, training or what they do on their days off or what they eat and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's been really cool to have that mix um, at Lightning. And I think they have really embraced the Sunshine Coast lifestyle as well, which is, is really cool. Um, but, yeah, getting to train with people who are able to play at that level sort of day in, day out um, has been really, really awesome for the rest of us who, you know, are obviously just not quite at that um, international level. So we're just continually getting pushed to be better and better and hopefully we're doing our part as well to to make sure that they're not having an easy ride <laughs> uh, either. Hey, Jackie, it's just Steffia. What's it like as well? You've kind of touched on it with the team but um, playing underneath Nolene as a coach with her high calibre and obviously she had the World Cup to juggle with this year as well on top of coaching the Lightning. Yeah, it's um, obviously with Nolene um, departing uh, at the end of the year, that's going to be a big change for the club. Um, So I think we're all still trying to get as much... um, knowledge and learn as much from her as we can even in just the last few weeks you know while we still have her as our head coach um she's very different to any other coach I've had before um I think for a lot of us it's it's cool because Nolene um 
lets all of the players really function, I think, as individuals and adults within the team. So we get to have a lot of say um, in, I guess, what we what goes into our training sessions and what we want to focus on and how we think structures should work on the court. Um, and while she lets us have our input and, and figure things out sort of for ourselves, she always seems to be a few steps ahead and has something extra to add all the time. So whilst we think maybe we have things under control or our ideas are good, she always seems to have something that's, you know, a few steps ahead of everybody else. Um, so strategically, she's very, um, very smart and very knowledgeable about what's going on on the court. But she also, I think, uh, lets the individual players sort of... Um, blossom and flourish and have their unique style that will fit in with that structure, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and especially going into this season, how did you think all the changes with, uh, you obviously lose Jeeva and Mentor, Kelsey Brown and, and Caitlin Bassett, um, but you do gain three great players in their place. You, you gain Pumza Mawaini, you get Laura Langman back in, um, get Priest Proscovia into the side. How has that been to kind of adjust? Obviously, um, you get three stars into the team, but how did you gel with them and, and how long did that take? Yeah, I think, I mean, anyone would have seen those changes and seen those three players leaving and thought that we would for sure be in trouble um, this season. Um, obviously, Laura Langman is a very uh, well-known player, so that was... You know, everyone was really excited about her coming back and we knew she'd be a huge sort of boost for the team. But at that point, I think both Peace and Pumza were, uh, whilst they were sort of making a name for themselves on the international stage, playing for Uganda and South Africa, they still were a little bit unknown in, in that sort of, um, you know, weekly competition and whether they'd be able to back up and play and, and how well they'd go against... Um, the other players over here and and with the training regime and all that sort of stuff but it I wouldn't say it was you know completely seamless because there's obviously uh, just differences in in as I said styles and personalities and the way people work but I think it it all uh, we sort of got through that really well as a club um, through the preseason and we did really well I think through most of our preseason um, games and tournaments and I think that was really uh, reassuring for everybody and we realised that hey we actually do you know we really do still have a team that's going to be really competitive and and then came our first game against Collingwood actually and it was awful uh, we all like to forget that game because it was a, a huge loss and I think we were all a bit shocked um, but since that game I think the belief in what we can do as a team with the new people um, and the new sort of style that we've got uh, has just kept growing and, and we're feeling really confident and, and positive heading into the finals. Yeah, and so you've touched on, obviously, um, gelling with those newer players, but what has been the mm -hmm. biggest learning curve this season? Um, as a team, I think in for us, we... We just know that the game is never over until it's over, I suppose. We've had a few games where we've been down by, say, nine or ten, um, sort of halfway through the game and come back to win by one or two or three. 
Um, and so I think it's been really uh, cool for us all to learn how to get back from those situations. Um, so just knowing that if you do your job and you do your role, the person next to you is going to be doing the same thing and eventually you know, it will work and the pressure will build and the other team will make mistakes and from there we can build on that um, and and come out with a really good performance. Obviously, we're better off not putting ourselves in that um, situation and being down by that far, but it's just, it's nice to know, I think, that as a team we do have that ability to come back from so far down. Like 10 goals in, in netball is quite a significant lead, so... Um, knowing that we can do that as a team has been um, something that we, I guess, have learned and figured out how to do. So that's been something that was really important for us this season. And with the finals clearly right upon us, you guys notched up the uh, the minor premiership. You, do you have any superstitions regarding that? Because the, the past two teams that have won the minor premiership have, have fallen um, out, of the, out of finals contention pretty early. Do you guys have yeah. any superstitions about that? Yeah, that's right. I think they've gone out in sort of straight sets, um, as you would say. So losing the the first semi final and then losing the preliminary final. Um, I think uh, another trend in the past couple of years of Suncorp Super Netball is that Lightning has won. So we are thinking <laughs> that that will be the trend that continues rather than the Lightning Premiership, uh, the Minor Premiership curse, as uh, we have called it in the past. <laughs> Who do you think has been the toughest opponent you've played on throughout your career? Uh, Kim Green's probably the toughest opponent for me to play against. I think she's just so uh, clever with the way that she uses her body and moves the ball. So I think that she's one of those players that you might think that you have covered, uh, but actually she, she might be sort of a step or two ahead of you. So whilst you think you're doing a good job, she might then... Um, end up getting the next ball or the ball after that or she's actually setting someone else up, um, not herself. So um, I have always enjoyed playing against her because you you really have to not just be there physically but be very switched on as well to try to combat um, what she's putting out on court. And just finally move on to the game this week up against the Swifts. Um, What are you looking forward to? I guess we talked about trends just a little bit earlier you guys have beaten them in both um, time, both times this season. What are you looking forward to in that match? Um, it's always, I think, a really fast physical game against Swift. So a couple of our games recently haven't quite been like that and the pace has perhaps been a little bit slower or the style's been a little bit slower. But we think that Swift actually play quite a similar game to us. Um and it is very fast and the ball does keep moving and attack. So I think it's just going to be a really um, fast pace, lots of adrenaline, all that sort of thing. So I think we're all just ready to, to get out on court and and go and um, put our best foot forward and match it with them in those aspects and hopefully obviously come away with the win and then have the weekend off. Or the prelim final. <laughs> yeah, well, we wish you all the best for this weekend in the final series as a whole. Thank you once again to Jackie Russell for joining us on the Centre Pass podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having me. Once again, thank you to Jackie Russell for joining us here on the Centre Pass podcast. We really appreciate it um, in the lead up to a big final this week. 
Just finally, we'll go through our team of the week for round 14. And this one, a lot of magpies when I first look at it, first look at the starting seven. Uh, but we'll go through it. Jeeva Mentor gets the starting spot in goalkeeper. And I think we can't mention Jeeva Mentor without Carla Pretorius. Yeah, because <laughs> dynamic both, duo. Yeah, they've both been so good this season. Um, I guess they were, they, were, they were both in last week and I think just continued that form and um, both leading their teams so well in 2019. In in centre court, uh, I'll go with wing defence and centre at the same time. We're going Kim Revalian and Ash Brazel. So we spoke about how good Ash Brazel's been um, so far and how good she was against the Vixens on the weekend. But Kim Revalian, as, as we also said, did such a good job on Liz Watson and is really deserving of this spot in the team of the week. Yeah, and people tuning in for the first time in a while will think we've lost our marbles <laughs> saying it the, the other way around. But I think the switch up has been really good. And like we said, Revalian just had an absolute blinder on the weekend and, and it was really good for her to just back herself and show that, you know, if she's given a job, she can do it and she did it exceptionally well. Yeah, and Ash Razzle just doing whatever she does best. Um, wing attack, we've gone with Caitlin Nevins, who, as we said earlier, has just had a phenomenal vein of form um, the last few weeks and is joined um, in goal attack by a Firebirds teammate in Gretel Tippett. Uh, Gretel Tippett, it's, it's been such an unfortunate, like it's been such a good year for her, but it's unfortunate that we can't, we're not going to see her in finals because the way she's played this season, she deserves to be there on the big stage. Yeah, maybe she could like be recruited. Just a, a late, late <laughs> season Dog transfer. Yeah. Just a quick, quick little cameo, and then go back to the Firebirds. I don't know. Yeah, it's go- it's going to be interesting, and um, we'll see what the Firebirds do in the off season because she's such a, a great piece to to build a team around, and um, hopefully it's not too long of a stay out of finals for the Firebirds in goal shooter, um, another Magpies player, oh. Shimona Nelson has got the spot. Um, we didn't actually speak about her. Yeah, I was going to say, we were kind of talking about Ash Braz and talking about Jeeva Mentor <laughs> so much, but we glossed over Shimona Nelson. No, nah, Nelson killed it. She was really good. Um, I think she did a really good job against Emily Mannix, and Mannix was very good against her last time. She was attacking the hands, um, had a lot of control in that circle, and I think Nelson played right through it this time. She... Um, she did still lose a few balls, but she didn't let it get to her like we've seen it happen in the past. So, yeah, I, I was really impressed by her. Uh, our subs for this week in defence, we're going with Shamara Sterling. Obviously, it was a tough match for Adelaide, but um, in that first quarter, especially when Adelaide were up up and about, I think Shamara Sterling was the real catalyst behind that. In midcourt, we've gone with Kim Green. Obviously, her last match at National League level um, unfortunate to see her go, but a, a great way for her to go out. And in attack, we've gone with Sam Wallace, uh, the only Swift in, in this team of the week. Um, she had a, a great performance and has had a, a really good year after kind of being up and down in 2018. And she was our runner-up in our poll. Yeah. So Nelson won the poll, Wallace was second. I don't know who yeah, was, I was Yeah, I forgot about that. So, yeah, goal shooter was our poll for the week, so do go follow us at Pod on Twitter. Um, we'll still be doing Team of the Weeks throughout finals. We'll have a smaller group to pick from, but we'll do, still be doing our Team of the Weeks. So do go follow us on there. That is all we have time for this week on the Centre Pass podcast. Do go to netball.draftcentral.com for more Super Netball news and reviews. And we will speak to you next week.